Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. My name is Dave Meyer. I'll be your host today, joined today by Kathy Fecky, James Daynard, and Jamil Damji. How are all of you? We are all sick. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> it was a great party. <laughs> Every single one of us is sick. I think we're going to have like a lot of muting of microphones. I might have to take responsibility for it. <laughs> it was Jamil's fault, apparently. But I wasn't even at the party, and I'm sick too, so <laughs> I don't know. Well, that, that's because we mailed it to you. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate you including me. It's very thoughtful. <laughs> uh, well... I actually wasn't at the party, but I did get to do something very fun, which was I went I was in Madrid, Spain, and I got to meet in person the entire team that edits this podcast. They all live in Madrid. I don't even know if you guys know that, um, but I went to go hang out with them and they're extremely cool, fun people. They uh, took me on a 10 hour tour of the inside of many bars in Madrid and uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to to Joel, Eliezer, Alexander, and Anna, who are an incredibly talented team. Um, it was a pleasure to meet them, and uh, I had had a lot of fun with them. Very talented, passionate people who make this show possible. So that was that was really cool for me, and I just wanted to tell you guys about it. Amazing! I had no idea that 
they were in Spain, but now we have to make a trip out there and go hang out. Sounds like we have to. Are, are they sick of our voices yet? No, they were making fun of me the whole time. They were like, I feel like I have to like put a frame around your face. <laughs> like that's what I'm used to seeing you like. Like <laughs> it's weird seeing you. Uh no, they they would love that. We should we should do that next time. Kathy, next time you're in Portugal, just pop over to, to Madrid. It's not far. April. <laughs> All right. Did anyone say to you that you're taller than they expected? No, probably said shorter knowing me. <laughs> I always get, oh, you're you're thinner than I than than I expected you to be. And I don't know how to take that. I'm like, mm. Well, they were probably already thinking you're very thin and muscular, so right, even right. thinner. I get I get you're thinner than I thought and uh, your beard doesn't look as terrible in person as it does on video. What? Nobody says that to you. Who thinks your beard looks terrible? <laughs> I have no idea, man. The internet's fun. Well, you see, I, I can't even grow a beard, so <laughs> That's what happens when you're one of the America's best investors and you're only 12, James. That's <laughs> 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 no, like one of the bigger pockets podcast headlines, like 150,000 units by 12 years old featuring James Taylor. <laughs> profit profit in, pu- in puberty. <laughs> wow. That could be your yes. that could be your BP book pitch, James. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to today's episode. As we as we wind down the year, we wanted to uh, recap uh, and sort of go back to actually one of the first shows we did, which we were picking best markets, worst markets. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about our predictions for the best and worst markets for 2023. But before we do, uh, Rocket Mortgage, one of the biggest companies, biggest mortgage companies in the country, just came out with their rankings of the top five markets for 2022. So I want to, I want to, I want to throw these out there and see what you guys think about these before we get into our predictions for next year. So they say the number five, uh, number five was Charlotte, North Carolina. Did any of you pick them last year? I feel like someone might have. I did. Oh, you did. Didn't I? Why do I feel like? No, Jamil, you had Austin and Denver. I remember that specifically. Austin and Denver. That's right. Because. The final was just you against yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte. So is Charlotte, do you invest there, Kathy? Yeah. And how, how to do this year? Um, we, well, it got very expensive this year. So uh, it became difficult to buy this year. But if you bought before this year, you did great. Nice. Then number four, we have Nashville, which is sort of, I feel like perennially on everyone's list of top markets. Then we had Raleigh, number three. Tampa, which I said, but got voted out early for number two, and Austin for number one, which I was kind of confused by. I think that's actually what won in our competition last year, but would you guys think Austin was the best performing market this year? I mean, if you look at those first two quarters in all those tech markets, they jumped so high. It's like they had room to pull back, and it was still going to be good. It's, you know, it it was a—I mean, Scottsdale was kind of like that, too. Like, it, it was like Scottsdale, Austin, Seattle— uh, LA, San Fran. I mean, they just shot up. So, well, that's a good question, James. So, you've you've been pretty honest about pullbacks in Seattle in your market. Are they still up considerably over pre-pandemic levels prices in Seattle? Oh yeah, we're substantially up from. Pre- I mean, we're still five percent up on this year in Seattle, but we were up twenty five percent to thirty percent in those first two quarters. I I know. I, I, there was one month alone I was seeing some cities appreciate at 25% in one month. 
Well, <laughs> it was crazy. I, 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 like I had to triple check the data. I was like, wait, what happened? The median home price jumped 25% in one. And like, that's like a crypto coin. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still at least 30% up from 2020. Yeah. So, or 25 to 30 in certain neighborhoods for sure. And so it, there's, there's still rapid growth. It's just sliding back with the affordability right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was kind of my comment last year is that, this is this is a leveling out of a crazy manic pandemic induced buying spree of, of last year. And so with so many things, when we see layoffs, when we see home prices coming down, it's really just comparing to an abnormal year. And um, and so if you could keep that in mind and maybe just compare numbers to 2019, people who bought in markets that really went up and are now coming back down to, to earth. Um, if they bought this year, they might be feeling a little pain. But if you bought before that, you know, you're fine. And and if you hold it, you're fine. It's just it's just anytime you have to sell, if you're forced to sell when it's not good timing to sell, then that can be painful. But if you can hold, usually those hot markets come back and they become hot again. I feel like if you bought a house in like the peak time of 2022, it's kind of like one of those nights you got really drunk at a party and things didn't, you know, turn out the way that they should have and you want to forget it you know <laughs> and so um that's basically what happened so. <laughs> is this what happened at your party yeah, I, last weekend Javel? maybe i left in time we, we listen listen we we all have the same we all have the same sickness and um <laughs> how how that happened uh, it, it i don't know how to follow that up <laughs> i i put on a good party though guys that let's, was a good let's party. be real and you know what? everyone should go to jamil's meetups and parties they're the most fun things for real estate i oh, think sure. too it's like it is a vibe that is like nothing i've seen at a real estate conference before or, or meetup i'm signing up all right well Definitely check those out. Okay, well, let's take a break now because, Jamil, you threw me off. <laughs> so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about our predictions for 2023. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. 
Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. All right, let's jump into our predictions. But before I ask you which markets you actually picked, can we talk quickly about what criteria you all used? Um, we're going to do our worst markets first. And when Kaylin and I assigned you these, we didn't really give like definition what what worst means. So I'm curious, Kathy, what did what did you interpret that as? What did you think? Uh, like, how did you choose the market you chose? I had to really give it some thought because. With real estate, you can get super confused. There's so much data coming from so many different angles and everybody's got an opinion and that's 100x every year as more and more people get in into the industry. So it, it's, it can be very confusing. So I just had to stop and say, for what? what the worst market for what? And for me, you know, my, my buying box, basically what, what I have always looked for are areas that cash flow with the hope of appreciation because there's something going on in that area. There's growth. Um, and, and so I don't need it to uh, go up in price dramatically right away. I just want it to over time so that I know that I'm getting cash flow and appreciation because the double whammy is, is what can really make you wealthy. So for me, the worst market I chose was Detroit. Mm. Now, Detroit came up on some lists as a great market for 2023. So again, it's, it just depends on your buy box. And I'm sure there's Detroit investors listening who are like, if you invest the way I invest, you'll do great in Detroit because there is a lot going on. It apparently has had some of the highest millennial growth there. There's a lot of revitalization happening downtown. So some of the things I look for are there. Um, the, the reason I choose it as the worst for me is that they've had a population decline over the over decades. It's a long not time. Yeah. yeah, decades. Yeah, Detroit has seen a sixty-one percent decrease in its population since the fifties. So it used to be really quite like a New York kind of city, very popular city. Uh, but people are leaving and they're going to uh, where my favorite market, one of my best markets, is. You know, warmer Ooh. climates the Florida area. I'm not, I didn't tell you where in Florida, but uh, warm climates with landlord-friendly laws. This fits the buy box for me. So if I'm looking for buy and hold, cash flow, appreciation, and growth, I want to be in an area where there's job growth, population growth, infrastructure growth, rent growth, all, all those things. And uh, we're, we're not seeing it. But the biggest reason 
that I wouldn't invest in, in Detroit is that they have this law and it is a tough law and I know it well. So in May of 2017, the city of Detroit announced its intention to implement a citywide effort to enforce tougher rental ordinance rules on landlords. So landlord rules really matter. Uh, basically, you can get massively fined. They, you know, depending on which way you look at it, for renters, this is great. It means that landlords have to take care of their properties and, and uh, fix things. But if you are, you know, if you're not aware of that, you can get really stuck. We're trying to sell three Detroit properties in our former fund, my, um, my last single family rental fund. We're down to three Detroit properties that we're having a really tough time selling. We can't get the tenants out because landlord laws are, are really not in our favor there. Um, and the city comes in and inspects and tells us all these things we have to fix. And those, those fixes are, are costing a lot, forty dollars to $50,000. And these are properties we only owned five years and we fixed them five years ago. So they're older. They tend, you know, if you're buying an older property in Detroit, uh, you just have to know that the city inspectors may charge you. So for me, this is this is not a not, not a best market for me. It's a worst market for me. I do think if you go in and you can get a great deal and you completely renovate it and you've got the budget for it and the reserves, you could get great cash flow. I just don't think that you're ever really going to see that market appreciate the way I like it to do in other markets. All right. Detroit is our first worst city. I know uh, the former CEO and founder of Bigger Pockets, Josh Dorkin, would definitely agree with you. He made his he made a reputation of hating on Detroit for, for many generations. <laughs> I used to love it. I used to invest there. And uh, our fund bought a bunch of properties there and they cash flowed the whole time during the fund. They were wonderful for cash flow. It's just when you're trying to get out or if the city comes in and tells you, to do a bunch of work you weren't expecting to do. So you just have to have lots and lots and lots and lots of reserves for older properties. Kathy, it's a, it's a great point. I, you know, two or three years ago, I did this uh, data analysis to look at appreciation versus cash flow for markets. And I plotted them out. And basically what we saw was that before the pandemic, you know, there was most markets were either really good appreciation or really good cash flow. And there were a few that were both, but they were modest for both. You know, you, the outliers for good cash flow, like Detroit, were also outliers for bad appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. And so you saw the other thing too, like an outlier for appreciation, like Seattle, was also an outlier for bad cash flow a lot of the time, just on average. Um, and since the pandemic started, all that got thrown out of the window and everyone has just you know, seen both. But I do think as we go into 2023, we're going to start going back to that normal sort of bifurcation in the market where some markets are really good for cash flow, but don't appreciate really, and vice versa. Some will continue to appreciate, but aren't going to be, you know, places where you can easily find rental properties that meet the 1% rule, for example. And so it sounds like you, you agree. Detroit might be good for cash flow, but appreciation probably not going anywhere. Yeah, and I think it's really important to look at the at how performance was before 2020. And you know, I know a lot of these cities have really redefined themselves in the last decade. But if you take say 2015 to 2019 and really look at the cap rates and what was happening in those markets, appreciation wise, those were those were good solid years for real estate. So that will be a better metric for where we're headed in 2023. I think. All right. Well, there, there we got one. James, how did you approach this and what city did you pick? 
so I picked kind of a, a different city. I wasn't, you know, I, I spent a lot of time researching all these markets and I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to the market that I had the biggest regret of not buying in, in 2009. <laughs> um, and so I picked San Diego, California. Um, and the reason I picked San Diego is a, and this has nothing to do with what we're going through now. Cause it's a different thing. But I remember in 2009, these, that the sky rise condos went down to like under 400 grand. The, these things were like, you'd be up killer views, brand new, and you could buy them for under half million dollars. And they were trading for over a million before the, 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 the mortgage industry exploded. Um, but the reason I picked San Diego is I do think in, in a, I think San Diego is the best city on the West coast. Like it, it is where you want to live for sure. But the problem is the income is just not there and what people can afford in the job market. And it's a really good place to move to if you have money, but if not, you're going to struggle with, with a lot of um, the pricing around there. And so what we've seen with the interest rates rising is the rates, uh, we've already seen it go from a medium home price down over 10%, right? Where it's, there's been a, a drop of, from about 950 down to 850. And we've seen, you know, something very interesting to watch for. And these are the markets I'm most cautious in right now are the ones that hockey stick up in that first two quarters at a crazy rate. And, and San Diego definitely hits that. In March, they were up 30% and they were one of the top uh, three appreciating markets for that that month. And it has retracted back 20% from March, and it's continuing to slide right now. And and I think a lot of the reason that it, they have retracted back is the math just doesn't quite make sense. Like, you know, also rents have dropped 5% since since March as well. And I, I do think the rents are falling because more the remote work. Like, why wouldn't you want to remote work in San Diego if you could? Like, that's where I would want to remote work. And so, like, as that's you know, as the workforce is going back to where they're supposed to be working, you know, all these things are starting to kind of bring it back. You know, during the pandemic, living in a quality place was a big concern for most people. And San Diego is one of the best you can be in. And so I think people are just starting to leave a little bit and it's starting to let things down. But to put it in perspective, you have to save for you in San Diego. The average home buyer needs to save up one hundred and sixty thousand dollars to buy a house. Wow. With the income that they're making, they need to save a minimum of $13,000 per year. To it, It's going to take them almost 8 to 12 years to save up for that 20% deposit. And that doesn't even keep track with the pricing going up during that time. And, uh, you know, with a median home price of 905000 the household income should be $166,000 to afford that comfortably. The problem is the median household income there is 70,000. And a lot of the the actual jobs that are in San Diego, big there's not as much you know and I picked San Diego because there's not as much big business as there is in like Austin, Seattle, San Francisco where there's these big anchor tech companies that yes, they might be going through a downturn right now and laying off some people, but they're going to come back. And these are companies that are not going away whereas you know, they have a much more limited pool. Military is a big deal. Now, I do think if we are going into more conflict that the military could grow and that there is going to be, you know, that could expand in San Diego because it's the biggest military base there is. But it still doesn't get you to the income for affordability. And with rates being as high as they are, it's just going to pull everything back because just people are not making enough money to buy. And 
And we're seeing that right now. And if the rates continue to go up, which I do believe they will for, you know, at least the first two quarters, you're going to see homes dropping price. Forty three percent of all homes in San Diego's have cut their price this year. That is a substantial amount. That means people either overpricing or even if they are pricing right, they're just not selling for, you know, people can't afford them. And in the major pool of that, they can't afford that. Those big companies are slowing down. Like Qualcomm is a huge business there. That is one of their anchor employers. Qualcomm has froze their hiring right now. They have not announced layoffs yet, as far as I could tell. But that's usually the first step. You freeze your hiring, and then there's layoffs coming. They have not predicted the layoffs, but they are expecting, the company internally is expecting that their their shipments are going to decline in the double-digit percentage for next year. So they're predicting that they are going to do less business as a company, which is going to start laying off the people that are going to absorb a lot of these more expensive properties. And so all those things that when you get in a mix, I just see this stuff coming down. It's way too expensive. They're, we're missing like $70,000 on the median home price to get people to really be able to afford and then there's other things that are just indicating that it's way better to rent versus to buy like the the cost to rent ratio is 30.38 in a healthy market it's like you want to be below 21 so it is so far out of whack right now that i think that 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 san diego could fall like an additional 10 percent from where it's at right now um and you know it's that doesn't mean that I wouldn't buy in San Diego. It's actually on my cities to slate to buy in. I just think that there's going to be more opportunities. I don't want to have the same regret I had in 2009 uh, because I do think quality of living and people want to live there in general, and that's always going to drive growth. Um, they're, they're also on a long-term basis predicting that San Diego's economy is going to grow. Uh, I think it, they said 31% in the, last ten, in the next 10 years um, or 20 years. And and so they're predicting growth, but in the short term for 2023, I think it's going to retract back. And I think all these expensive West Coast markets are going to continue to retract back. And the thing you have to be careful about with the investors is when you're playing in expensive markets, the retraction can really hurt. And so that's why I kind of... I, I put this as the worst market that I, I would invest in. Everyone, Yeah, everyone loves leverage when you're going up. And then when it goes down, it, it hurts a lot. Oh, it, I mean, it definitely hurts. Like what we were talking about before I got on the show, I finally sold a house that it took 150 days to sell. And luckily, I'm breaking even. I don't even know how I'm breaking even. But we just sold that house for 450 grand less than a house that we sold right around the corner when we bought that deal in the beginning of the year. And so the, you have to watch out for these slides and the slides are okay. You just have to prepare for them correctly. But I do think San Diego is going to have some issues. It's just, it's just too expensive for what people make there. And, um, you know, and I do think people are always going to want to live there. Um, well, in addition to, besides that expense, you have that California expense, right? The extra 13% income tax. There's too many expenses going on that are eating up liquidity. And that's why I do think that it's prone for a pretty big drop from here. I think another 10% is coming back. So San Diego might be on your uh, best markets for 2024 list. Yes. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I actually think all those markets like Seattle, it's Seattle, right? Like it's a very similar, I like Seattle better than San Diego because there's more jobs there. I like Austin better than San Diego because there's more jobs and infrastructure there. But I do think all these cities that are having these massive retractions are great buying opportunities you know, especially after this second quarter, 
but you have to buy carefully. You can't buy traditionally. If you're buying traditionally, you're going to get, I think you're going to get burnt. But if you, you know, as the markets keep free fall, I mean, those are the markets that are going to have the most opportunity. The ones that are falling backwards are the ones that everyone just jumps out of. And that's where I really want to jump in. Like, you know, I, I probably will buy something in San Diego. I want to buy like some short term rental stuff right down by the beach and PB. There's some I know the condo market gets hammered. Um, and those are things that I'm looking for is like if I can buy it substantially below what it was worth. If I'm buying them 30, 40 percent below that that previous median home price, there's there's runway for growth and equity gains in, in over a five year period. But like what Kathy said, it comes down to what is your strategy? My strategy isn't high cash flow. I don't like dealing with these small houses that can get you 10 to 15 percent returns because I don't like those maintenance expenses that can jeopardize my my cash flow position. I, I like high growth markets because that's where you make those big equity gains. Uh, and those equity gains have completely changed me as an investor and how I've been able to passively invest just based on those gains. All right. Well said. Yeah, I actually when I was trying to think through this for best markets, I was thinking of doing a contrarian opinion and saying something like Austin, because I think it is going to go down 20 or 30 percent. But it has one of the best long term growth potentials of any city in the country. And so maybe it is a great time to buy in Austin if, to your point, James, you're buying under market value and finding good value. All right, Jamil, what about you? What do you how how do you approach this? Well, I uh, I I loved everything that James and Kathy said. I agree that you have to look at it from the perspective of your investment strategy. And we all know that I am a trader. I I look at the real estate market in terms of how can I benefit? How can I get involved and and where are my buyers? Where are my clients? Where are they looking to invest? Where are they running away from? And so for the worst market of 2023, I've chosen Ventura County. And uh, uh, Realtor.com predicts that it will drop in sales price by about 30%. 29.3, 29.1 specifically is what their prediction is. And that's a significant amount of money, right? And there's not, when you look at uh, you know, fix and flip, when you look at wholesale, when you look at opportunities for us to trade in property, if you've got a uh, declining market to that degree with all of the things that James was talking about, you've got the in, the regular Southern California issues like the state tax, the migration in Ventura County is not, it's flat if, if, if anything. And so how I look at a market like that, as I say, are my clients or are my buyers for fix and flip or are my, my wholesale buyers looking for opportunities in Ventura County right now, and they're not. And so for me, where we are not going to be investing marketing, where we're not going to be investing resources for boots on the ground to try to uh, find some opportunities or to to uh, pick up opportunities for trade will be some of these higher value markets in Southern California. But I do also agree that looking forward to 2024, uh, as you had mentioned, and as James had mentioned, there's going to be a tremendous value, but you have to wait. So it's a bad market for 2023. But coming off the tail end of that, if you can start buying in Q4 of 2023 and get them significantly below market, because at, at that point, there's going to be desperation, exhaustion, sellers are, are going to be just they're going to have they'll have had it. And I feel if you can time your purchases right, you can make the worst market of 2023 your best market of 2024. And so I'll be re-entering Ventura and, and some of those markets in Southern California towards the tail end of 23. But for now, the worst market, Ventura County. 
Okay, it makes sense. Kathy, what's your uh, what's your read on this California hate over here? We're getting <laughs> James and Jamil. But really, like we're seeing, you know, a lot of population leaving California um, and it's very expensive. I feel like people have been saying California is going to nosedive for decades and it never happens. So what do, what do you, as a, as a resident and a native, what do you think the future holds for California in the next few years? I, I am a native of many generations. My grandmother was uh, one of the first people to swim. She swim across the Golden Gate Bridge. She was an Olympic athlete and would swim around Alcatraz. So I really have my roots in California and this is a conversation that has been had probably for a century, you know, um, and it's just always the case when you have highly desirable world-class areas, it will never be cheap and there will never be a lack of people who can afford it. It's just that they're volatile. They, these are volatile markets, but San Diego, I mean, it's, it truly is one of the best places in the world to live or to have a second home. And there are uh, more people that would buy there or own there than work there. So obviously, if you're trying to buy, you know, trying to do a buy and hold, again, it just depends on strategy. But it's almost like if you can do a long term flip, meaning like maybe you you buy something, you rent it out for a year or two uh, where it's kind of covering its cost. It probably won't. It'll probably still be negative. Um, but then do the flip later. So you kind of got in low. If you can never get the tenant out. <laughs> Right. There is that valid point. But, you know, it always has bounced back and you will make a lot of money if you hold. That's that's why so many Californians are loaded and are are bringing their money to other other places because they made their money and they're in housing in, in many cases. So if you if you live in California, so what I think of California, I would love to leave California, but I, I love the weather. I love everything about it except the politics and the prices, but it would be hard for me to go anywhere else. And I think a lot of people feel that way who live there. All right. Well, yeah, I wouldn't bet against the California market long-term. It, it always, uh, it always bounces back. Oh, and one thing I did want to say when you were talking about that, that could be a very good uh, opportunity for like a live-in flip uh, for people who mm -hmm. want to do that. You get to live in uh, California and then flip it down the road. And if you live in it for two out of five years, you pay no tax. So Absolutely. Good opportunity. Yes. For mine, I wanted to pick a city that we don't talk about a lot also on the West coast, uh, but was one of the hottest markets over the last couple of years and i picked reno nevada do you guys know anything about reno just sold off our two subdivisions there just in time so yeah oh good yeah well it went crazy over the last couple of years yeah. so hopefully you did well there but we sold right before rates went up so that was oh, good nice <laughs> thank you because to me reno is like one of these cities that just popped due to remote work. Like it's a beautiful place. There's no income tax. It's right near Lake Tahoe. It's really nice. But when you look at the economic fundamentals, it doesn't really support all the growth that we've seen. Similar to what James was saying about San Diego, you just see a really not a high enough income level to support the prices. You don't really see, unlike Seattle or Austin, that has like exceptional job growth and tech companies moving there. Don't see that to the same degree in Reno. And so this is, to me, going to be uh, an interesting experiment because I think it grew a lot similar to Boise. I think it's sort of a similar thing where people who wanted to live somewhere with a great quality of life uh, decided to move there. 
but we'll have to see if the economy can support it once people are either called back to the office or salaries don't rise at the same rates that they have been or there's layoffs like we're starting to see. Um, so unfortunately for, for Reno, I, I don't think it's going to be doing pretty well over the next couple of years. It's already seen uh, the days on market go up by about 250% over the course of this year. We're at days on market over 60, which uh, is in any market pretty high. Uh, and price drops are over 45%. So uh, that, that's, my, that's my pick. Well, you know, I, I could tell you why we invested there, why we bought land there. And, yeah, why? And built a, a lot of houses there uh, because Tesla moved its head, its um, battery factory there. And there, yep. there was just so – Google was moving up there because it's only about four hours from San Francisco, but it's in Nevada, no state income tax. So it just seemed like this is going to keep growing. But like San Diego, it just lags. It just lags. And it's so strange why you would think for, for those reasons companies would move – moved to Nevada just to avoid taxes, but it's still a four-hour drive. If there was a speed bullet train or something, maybe it would be a different story. I don't know, but it's it's just, it's always lagging. Yeah, the, the income just hasn't grown there in the way yeah. that it, it would need to to support some of these prices. Don't they run out of water? Like, isn't there a huge water issue in Reno too? Like, it's dry almost? Like, I just remember when I went to Lake Tahoe, they were talking about it, like the water's low and they, they're trying to figure out how to get more water in. And I think in general, that was California. <laughs> yeah, and Nevada. It's, uh, well, it's also crazy, too, like when you go to Lake Tahoe, that property values, because part of it is in Nevada, and they call that Millionaire's Row on that side. Because that's where all the mega mansions go. So I get what Kathy was doing. Like, they want to get out of that income tax. And it's like, so you have properties that are worth millions and millions of dollars on one side and then just kitty corner they're worth 45 percent less because there's no income tax no that's interesting all right well we've talked about the the uh downside and again i think some of these markets could be great in the future we're just talking about 2023 not not forever so let's move on to markets that we do think are going to do or outperform um or do well in the next year so, Kathy, on the other side, you didn't like Detroit. What do you like for next year? Well, as you know, like I said, we always look at job growth, population growth, and infrastructure growth combined with affordability. So that I want to be in markets that cash flow today, and and so you can hold these properties. They don't have to cash flow a lot. This is a long long term play, but cover their costs so that you're really able to hold these as they appreciate. And Tampa really fits that for me. Uh, Tampa has completely redefined itself in the last decade. In fact, just in 2021, uh, there were nine companies that relocated their headquarters. Uh, there's an article that says uh, tech company re relocations to Tampa Bay soar in 2021. Um, 94 new companies were added to St. Pete's Pipeline. So lots of job growth, and that's really important to us. Now, with that comes population growth. Uh, in Tampa, it was 1.3% up last year, and this is the important thing. Looking forward, it's projected to uh, grow 3.3% annually, so wow. the growth has just started. Uh, more than 128,000 new residents are forecast to move to the metro area. How on earth, by, by next year, by 2024, there's not enough housing for all those people. So, um, And we, we're still buying houses in the $150,000, $200,000 range, just about forty five. 
minutes outside of Tampa. I don't like to be too far away from a major metro, but uh, if it's still driving distance and there's still offices and jobs nearby. Um, so just on the outskirts and out of flood zones and out of the hurricane zones, kind of more inland of Tampa, uh, we are really finding amazing deals. So uh, I, I think if you can still get a house for two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in a uh, in an area that's growing like that, to me that's a steal. Um, median rent has is twenty three hundred dollars per month for a three bedroom home. So there's a lot of markets where it might be a two bedroom apartment or something, but according to Zumper, twenty three hundred dollars for a three bedroom home that's that's pretty good. Um, it, it rents have increased by. Uh, 16% last year, and 48% of households in Tampa rent rather than own. And I think we can all agree that Florida in general is business friendly and landlord friendly. So it meets all the things that I want. I'm not worried at all about buying in Tampa today or, or the, oh my gosh, I for the properties that I own in, in, in the Tampa area, I get calls and texts probably every other day of people trying to buy those homes. So there's still a lot of activity. That's my fault. It's Jamel. He's calling you. I know. <laughs> I keep offering like twice what it's worth and no one's taking it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I love Tampa too. That's a very good pick. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of Florida. It just seems to be this like split city, split state. Like some markets seem to be overheated right now, but markets like Tampa just seem to still have really strong fundamentals. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. And just, I'll just say one more thing and then add to it that the iBuyers are kind of backing off. So you have a little bit more opportunity to, to get in today. And we're finally starting to see the foreclosure sales kind of hit. So there's, there's more opportunity there than there was, but all the same dynamics of growth that, that we like. Nice. All right, James, what about you? You, uh, What do you like it for next year? What I like for next year is, you know, it's is funny when I was researching all this, there were a lot of like the predicted markets that are going to perform really well for in 2023. It's all based off math equations. Like when I was looking at all these lists, I'm like, okay, I get it. It's a, it's a very low price point. The median income's up. There's low inventory. So they're predicting growth. That totally makes sense. Um, but for me as an investor, I, I also like to... I like to buy stuff where people want to live. And so I picked Raleigh, North Carolina, which I know did really good this last year. And, and the reason being is it is ranked on numerous lists as the best places to live in the United States. It, number six uh, was ranked number six recently. And it has a ton of growth behind it. It had a 3.4% GDP growth in 2022. And the economics behind uh, uh, it's Raleigh and Durham County, but there's growth going on there. The population is increasing because people want to live in quality places, but still keep their 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 capital. Right. Like a lot of our friends, like I know a substantial amount of people in the last 12 months that make good money. They have good careers and they reload out of California. The reason they did is because they were sick of giving away that 13 percent. They were sick of giving uh, paying too much money for housing. And, and and they're they're going to areas like this. And if you look at how affordable this is for the quality of living, right? So this is the sixth ranked city of places to live that you can have a great life to live in. And the the median home price is four hundred and ten thousand, which did grow by sixteen percent last year. And that is my concern. It did have a lot of rapid growth, but the household uh, income is ninety eight thousand. 
So people can afford to live, they can move there, have a great life and still live comfortably. And everybody that I've known, and I also go off of what are people saying, people have been reloading to Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, and, and they love it. They, they love everything about it. And, it, and that is a buzz. And we're, when, as we go into a recession and things are costing more, people are going to look for area. They just want to enjoy life and live somewhere that they can raise their kids. And this is one of those hot places. The other thing I liked is there is going to be an inventory problem, I, I, I believe. That since two, so from two, since 2010 till now, they built 50% less houses than they did from 2000 to 2010. If you have growth going on there, because the population is growing, just like Kathy said, like it's growing at a rapid rate. It is historically grown around 1.5%. It's been growing near 3% the last three years. And so it has the buzz, but this is where people are moving. There's a, there's a lack of inventory and people can afford things. Another interesting stat I saw, and I was like, wow, this is pretty, uh, it kind of blew my mind. 23% of people don't have mortgages there. Mm-hmm. That's how affordable it is. Wow. wow. That totally caught me off guard. And so when you're looking at a quality place to live, they have good income. The median home price is still very, very affordable. The schools are great. Charlotte, the big city next to it, is growing rapidly. Those are all good things for long-term gains on, on a property. In addition to people want to live there. The only thing that I did see that is a little concerning is the cost of rent. And that's something that I'm really looking at now in all my metrics when I'm looking at things. Like, is it way cheaper to, to uh, live in a rental? It has gone, it, it went from being around 16 to 17% to 19.65. So it is, the, the gap is getting closed on whether you can rent or buy. But that's still below that 21 point threshold that they talk about. So there's still a little bit more room. It still makes more sense to own than it does to rent. And so those are things that I think are really healthy for growth for 2023 people want to live there they can afford it and it's still cheaper or or a better situation to buy so i think that it has a lot of room to grow another thing i I saw actually that i thought the markets i've been watching are these hockey stick markets right and and raleigh has jumped dramatically but it's only came down five percent instead of that 10 to 20 percent that we've seen in some of these tech markets so it didn't quite grow at the same rate as san diego seattle austin it grew about half the rate and so it's kind of a more leveled out market so there's there's less of a hockey stick going on there but I, i'm gonna really dig into this market i liked all the stuff i read on it i know i like everything i hear about people and i and i really do love markets where people want to live and raleigh is one of them Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's anchored by very, very strong economy. Three of the largest research universities in the, in the country, Duke, UNC, NC State are all in that area. When you have that kind of, uh, education level, you see a lot of companies moving there to take advantage of that workforce. Um, so very, very strong economy there. North Carolina has some weird rules about buying houses though. Um, where you have to like, what is it called? You have to like, pay some fee to take the price off the the house off the market it's like putting earnest money down but it goes hard like immediately have you ever heard of this option fee yeah it's like an option fee yeah 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 they were last year they were like 20 grand before you even have an inspection it's crazy yeah i was just talking to someone about that and and they said yeah it's like two earnest there's an earnest money and then there's like a a due diligence fee yeah it's 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 to curb wholesaling yeah yeah it's crazy though, because like in a normal year, I talked to an agent down there because I was interested in buying in Durham and it, they were saying like in a normal year, it's like 500 bucks. So it's like, all right, 
but last year with how competitive it got, it was like 20 or 25 grand. Mm -hmm. That was before you even got an inspector in there. That's before you even necessarily walked the property. So if people were, I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's why I just didn't do it. But hopefully in this next year, it it won't be as competitive and you can do something like that. The, The buying conditions were so weird though. Like we used to write offers on homes. We, we write a five day close. It'd be listed for 400 grand. We would write it up for, let's say, 450,000. And we would write earnest money at 400 and, uh, 448,000 and release it to seller day after mutual. And it, we would write the weirdest terms we could do just to try to get that deal. <laughs> like, they're like, wait, wait, what do you mean? We're like, no, no, no. We're going to give you all the money until we close. <laughs> and it's up for 2,000 bucks. And like, we were trying everything just to lock a deal down. Right. And so <laughs> it was like, um, but you know, I, I think that 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 will go away. From what I hear from people that are buying there, it's a, it's kind of a non. It's back down to five hundred bucks. Like people aren't throwing crazy numbers at it anymore. Yeah, for sure, it, it's wild. But agree that it's a, a very strong market. All right, Jamil, what do you got? What's your uh, what's your favorite market for next year? Well, again, looking at this from the perspective of a trader, so I'm looking for opportunities that are quick uh, where my buyers can get in and do projects where they won't get slammed and have a house sitting on the market for months and months and months where mortgage rates aren't going to be a considerable situation. Now, looking at what we've seen, we are, we're seeing across the United States and in almost every market uh, that prices are declining. However, there is a there is a unicorn market right now that a lot of folks aren't talking about where that's not happening. And it is Hartford, Connecticut. Hartford, Connecticut. In- interesting. Realtor.com is, is uh, predicting that they will have a price appreciation in 2023 of 8.5%. Buyer demand is so strong there right now that they are still in multiple offer situations on properties and houses are selling 20, 20% above list right now with mortgage rates where they are right now. That's how strong the demand is. It's crazy. It's like everything that we were seeing leading up to this whole market shift, uh, all the craziness in, in, in most of the markets across the United States, we're seeing these multiple offer situations. It's still happening in Hartford, Connecticut, which is, which is, you know, crazy to me. Beyond that, the median price over there is very low at 372. So it's still relatively affordable. And you've got strong migration. You've got New Yorkers moving there. You've got people from Florida moving there. You've got people from New England moving there. It's got a lot of demand. And so people are moving there. There's strong, strong, strong buyer demand. It, the mortgage rates didn't affect it because we still have multiple offer situations. So fix and flip is going to be very strong over there. Wholesaling will be very strong over there. So we're going to be doubling down our efforts uh, as well as uh, trying to establish more franchises in the area because I see heavy opportunity for wholesaling and fixing and flipping in this little unicorn submarket. This has to be the first time in Bigger Pockets history anyone's ever mentioned can any anywhere in Connecticut as a place to I, I I grew up not not so far from here and just never even talk about Connecticut. But Hartford has been one is it's a low price market and like just anecdotally, all almost most of my friends who grew up in New York with me now moved to Connecticut, mostly to Stanford, Bridgeport, like places close to the city. But 
it's a real thing. And Hartford is kind of like perfectly situated between Boston and New York. And so yeah. maybe you're getting people from, from both of those higher price markets who just want somewhere in the Northeast that's a little bit less expensive. They are. And there's there's jobs and industry there, too, because it's yeah. you, it's the insurance capital of, of, of uh, I believe, the world. The insurance capital of the world. Aetna's got their headquarters there. Cigna's got their headquarters there. So we know that there's strong opportunity in healthcare. There always will be. That's that's one of the industries that we understand will always have uh, a lot of a lot of demand and a lot of opportunity. And so I think I think it's one of these markets that we will look at in five years and say, who knew Jamil did? Yeah, out and Connecticut has underrated pizza. I, I don't know if anyone knows that, but has better pizza than people give it credit for. It's very important. It's where my husband was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where in Hartford? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Maybe Jamil and, and Rich will have to go on a, a tour. All right. Well, for mine, I wanted to do something similar to Jamil, a little contrarian, some places that people uh, haven't heard of or aren't talking about so much. Uh, and I, for some reason, maybe not in 2023, but I'm long on the Midwest. I think similar to how the Southeast over the last couple of years has seen this big pop, um, a lot, you know, the weather is great, but also it's just more affordable than the West Coast and the Northeast. And I think the West, the Midwest also has that going for it. It doesn't have the weather, I'll give you that. But the Midwest uh, is by far the most affordable part of the country now because um, the Southeast has gotten so much more expensive. And the city that I like in the Midwest the most is Madison, Wisconsin. Never been there, but just on paper... Um, I, I just, it has really good population growth. It grew, it, it estimated grew 1.5% just this year. Its unemployment rate is at about 2%, which is much lower than the national average. And it's a highly, highly educated workforce. And to James's point, I'm just going based on affordability. People can afford to live there and it has a high scores for quality of life. And it is still growing. It is still consistently growing eight to 10% year over year. And it's just been doing that for the last several years. And it's shown no signs of slowing down over the last couple of months. So I, I think this market is still going to keep growing over the next year. And I don't think it's a fluke. I think it's a, it's an affordable market, high quality of life and affordable, um, which as James said, sort of some of the, the, the key indicators for long-term performance for buy and hold markets. So uh, I tried to do something a little bit weird and a little bit different, but I think Madison's going to be a winner. Brutal winners. Yes, definitely brutal winters. I know. When you said quality of life, I was like, it depends on how much you love cold. <laughs> <laughs> it gets rated high for quality of life. People like it there. But I guess those are all like James said, like it's like a math equation. They're like, what was your score on like air quality? And what was, you know, like it's those, those things you probably need to look into a little bit of the methodology. When you live in perpetual summer like me here in Phoenix, it, it, I don't mind seasons. I've had too many seasons. I don't want them anymore. I went to school in upstate New York, and it is absolutely brutal. I, I did not like it. It's not for me. Why do you think Rich moved from uh, East Coast to West Coast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just think generally, like, I, I think the, uh, the Midwest has gotten hit hard. And there's other cities in the Midwest also, I think, are like Chicago, I believe, are will will rebound over the next couple of years. Maybe not. I mean, I think it's doing fine right now, but we'll start growing again just because it's so much more affordable than other big cities. And there's still really good jobs in these markets. Cool city, too. I love Chicago. 
I, I last time I was there, uh, Jane's Jane's family lives there, and I was there over the uh, over the summer. And man, that city is basically holding down inflation for the entire country. Like we were going out and like, we went and bought beers and they're like $3 for a beer. <laughs> and like, we go get a sandwich. It'd be like five fifty. And I was like, this place is holding it down. There's stable prices in Chicago since 1990. They're just doing us all a favor. Chicago is a lot of fun. I ate lunch yesterday when I was prepping for like doing some work and eating. I got a sandwich and a soda. And it was $33. <laughs> I was like, it's ridiculous. What is going on? Like, it's, yeah, I mean, it, now Chicago might jump up my list if it's really that cheap. It, it Honestly, it is. It's so cheap there. I mean, relatively speaking. Was your sandwich good, at least? It was good. It was a prime rib dip. It was pretty good. Oh, he, he failed to mention it was a prime rib sandwich. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's wag, a Wagyu. Yeah, beef. when you have Wagyu in between bread, it's going to be 33 bucks. But that was a $20 <laughs> mill before the pandemic that was like a 1994 with with a $3 tip on there all right well thank you guys it's been a lot of fun so let's just sum this up for for the uh Kathy's picks were worst performing market for next year will be Detroit but best will be Tampa James had San Diego as the worst performing market and his best was Raleigh Raleigh there we go Jamil picking Hartford for his best one bringing a new state onto the map. And he had Ventura County, California uh, as his worst performing for me. I think Reno is going to take a hit, but Madison, Wisconsin is my dark horse for next year. All right. Well, thank you all, everyone. We would love to hear on the forums. We just put on the Bigger Pockets forums a, a question to ask you what all you think the best and worst performing markets of 2023 are going to be. So if you want to uh, interact with us or talk to other listeners about market potential for next year, make sure to visit the Bigger Pockets forums. Just go to biggerpockets.com slash forums and you'll find it there. Jamil, James, Kathy, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. We appreciate you all for listening, and we'll see you next time for On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but... At the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market. It's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that. Or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals.
That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.